Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Wellness Check. I am Cece. And I'm BB. And today we have a very special guest joining us to talk about destigmatizing therapy. Her name is Bonnie Hemrick, and she is the Assistant Director of Mental Health Promotion with CAPS and Interim Director of Prevention and Wellness within Student Health Services. She has years of experience working with college students and making sure they have access to mental health services on campus. So thank you for coming, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show. We're really excited to have this discussion with you. It's a really important one. Um, so the first question we'd like to ask you is, in your experience, where does stigma towards therapy come from? Could it be preconceived misconceptions about therapy and mental illness diagnoses or the potential impact of perceived public stigma? Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting question and certainly one that's multifaceted. So I'll only focus on a couple of the things that we tend to see showing up in students, but obviously there are much broader implications about how this shows up um, nationally and also globally. So the first is that people are afraid that mental health challenges can equal weakness and they're worried that others may see them as less capable or having um, you know, their, their stuff less together as if they weren't admitting vulnerabilities. And especially when we think about the academic setting, there are lots of students who are trying to present themselves as competent and motivated in order to secure competitive opportunities, such as jobs, internships, or other leadership opportunities that are afforded to them while at OSU or other universities or colleges. And what they feel like by admitting that they're struggling, it means that folks may be more hesitant to take them on for these opportunities. And they wanna be seen as leaders. They wanna be seen as those that can be shoulder tapped and trusted with these ways to further their career in the future. Um, stigma can also come from parents or others within your culture. Depending on cultural background, there can be more or less willingness to talk about mental health struggles and more or less willingness to be open to help seeking. Um, so cultural background also plays a part in this as well. And then lastly, just when we're thinking about utilizing the data that we collect here at OSU, one of the the strategies that we use is rolling out a healthy mind study survey. And in that survey, most students indicate that they do not judge others for receiving therapy. But the interesting fact is that we have much higher rates of students worrying about others judging them for receiving therapy. So what this shows is that we're much more likely to judge ourselves for asking for help as opposed to providing the grace and understanding to others who are reaching out for help. That's such a good point. And that definitely hit home because it's true. Like whenever, like even in like my friend circle, when my friends are having issues, I'm like, oh, that's totally fine. Like they'll say like they're going to therapy. I'm like, that's awesome. But like as soon as I start to think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think? Um, so yeah, that's very funny that you just called all of us out like that. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> throughout the lifespan, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Um, so our next question for you is how can we work to destigmatize therapy and mental illness? Ah, first and foremost, talk about it. Modeling openness and, and vulnerability when it comes to mental health struggle helps others feel comfortable opening up as well. And all of that contributes, contributes to a reduction in that stigma that we all see. 
Um, so the more that we're talking about it, the more that we're modeling the fact that we're not perfect either and people aren't in this alone. Many, many students feel like when they're struggling, they're the only ones who are struggling to that level. They look around at others, in their classes, in their friend groups, on social media, and they see what feels like a higher level of functioning or ability to deal with struggles. And so they can see that as, as something that's challenging for them to admit. But the reality is, if you talk to anyone at a pretty deep level and a really honest level, we are all struggling with something. And so the more that we can talk about it and normalize that, the better that we'll all be when it comes to stigma. Um, and then also just showing yourself the same kindness that you grant others, being, being attentive to your own self-talk and noticing when it's a little bit negative, when you're a little bit down on yourself and giving yourself that same grace that you would offer to others. And then when you notice that, that how you're paying attention to your own needs are escalating, and you do need that support, feeling comfortable to ask for that support, and potentially if you feel comfortable with it, opening up to others that you are seeking that support. And then if you're looking for you know, a way to kind of bolster um, your ability to talk about these things, one of the really great opportunities at OSU is that for free, all students can take the Cognito Recognizing and Responding to Students in Distress online module. It takes about 30 minutes or so to go through and includes a lot of role play. And in this training, it helps students recognize when a friend or a peer may be struggling and provides tips on how to approach the conversation with care and without doing harm in those discussions and how to refer to resources when needed. So I found that when people feel ill-equipped to have these discussions around mental health, around stigma, around supporting others, that training can be really helpful to give them the, you know, a better sense of confidence in having those discussions and addressing it with others. Thanks for that, Bonnie. And those are some amazing resources that you shared. I think that's a really great tool for students because I know a lot of times, like, we don't always know what to say, even though we want to support people. And that knowing what to say and how to respond can help us build that culture of support and destigmatizing therapy to encourage folks to seek the help that they need and remind ourselves that we also deserve to seek the help that we need too. Um, so our next question for you is what are common student concerns that you hear or see in regards to therapy? Well, in regard to therapy specifically, you know, as I mentioned before, students are always worried about being viewed as weak or not able to cope on their own. And that's a normal concern. And we just want to say that obviously it, it, it's understandable to feel that way. And also reaching out is strength. Recognizing when you need help and, and actually getting that help for yourself is a sign of being able to take care of yourself in a positive way. Um, so I just want people to know that that weakness that you're worried about is not actually true. Um, it doesn't show weakness. It shows the ability to self-advocate and the ability to recognize when you may need some extra assistance. And then sometimes even if students know that they need help, they may not know where to go. Um, so in thinking about how we survey students and, and some of the rates that we're looking at, one of them is asking students if when they do need help, 
do they know how to seek that help and what's available to them? And what can feel shocking to me on this campus, because it's talked about so widely, is that people, you know, about 25% of our students still don't know what help is available to them through CAPS or through Student Health or through other avenues um, to seek the services that would be beneficial for them. So it feels like everyone knows about CAPS on this campus, but the reality is there, there's still a chunk of students who are not aware of what's available to them or they're unaware that there's no cost associated with it if you paid your student health fees. Um, so some see cost as a barrier, even though that's already covered through the student health fees. And then lastly, I know that we talk a lot about the wait list of CAPS on campus, so students are concerned about the ability to be seen at CAPS and to get a counselor when they need one. And what we always want students to know is that we will always prioritize supporting students who are in crisis. So there may be times where a wait list is, you know, is present because we've got students with low level needs or lower level than rising to the need of crisis. But if a student's in crisis, we always want them to reach out to CAPS if they do need that assistance. Gotcha. Thank you for saying that. And um, I, I'm glad that you addressed the waitlist concern because I think that's the largest concern that I hear on campus. So thank you for reiterating um, the people who truly need your services do have access to you. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, and our very last question for you, I'm sad that this is our last question because I love having you on. Um, but our last question, or I guess statement, <laughs> is if there was one takeaway message from today that you could give to our listeners, what would it be? It's a little bit lengthy, but I'll, I'll wrap it into <laughs> one takeaway message. But um, one of the things I really want to to you know, make sure that people understand is that pain and discomfort are part of the human condition. It's just part of living in a really complicated world. And so not viewing yourself as less than if you're having a hard time um, is really important to keep in mind. And try to find strategies that work for you when you're not feeling at your best. And that could include building a really strong network of people who can provide support for you when you're down and that you can provide that support to them as well. Um, so this will help set you up for success when you're in those moments where you're not feeling your best. But if you feel like the problems are too big to handle on your own or with the help of your loved ones, reach out. There are always resources to help, whether that be within OSU or national resources like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline or the Crisis Text Line. So we always want people who need the help to get that help that they need. Wow, Bonnie, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and experiences and those really important messages for students. It's been a pleasure having you on this episode. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for all of your insight. Um, and I think that's all we have for this week's episode. So as always, don't forget to follow Student Health Services social media accounts. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching OSU Student Health Services and make sure you hit subscribe and follow to get the latest health news, tips, and reminders when podcasts go out. So until next time, check yourself. Bye. Bye. A production of Oregon State University Student Health Services.